smart people. I mean, if you can trick me into learning, that's fine. Hello, and thank you for tuning into Podnobbing, the podcast about podcasts. I'm Carrie. I'm Josh. And we are going to give you our podcast recommendations. Today's genre, science and medicine. Not to be confused with science and technology, which we've already done. Correct. This is science and medicine. And while you might be thinking that your a lay person who couldn't possibly be interested in science and medicine, we're here first Dolt. and foremost to tell you you're wrong. You just haven't found oh. the right podcast. Yeah. No, I. it took a while to find some good podcasts, but, but I got some. I found some that everybody's going to like. You're going to like it. You're going to like it. But first, let's begin with Podnobby News. Okay, today's uh, edition of Podnobby News is being recorded on July 29th. From the actual pod news, Spotify is kicking Apple's ass. Since May, Spotify has become the most popular of the two apps in the Netherlands, Germany, and Bulgaria. While Apple Music did recently surpass 60 million global paying subscribers, Spotify still has 40 million more global paying subscribers and counting. Good for you, Spotify. Rumors are trending that Apple may be investing in original exclusive podcasts. From Hot Pod's Nick Kwa, a quote here, The simple fact that Apple is exploring audio shows that will be exclusive to its platform amidst the context of Spotify's various agitations is enough to trigger a general wave of anxiety among certain podcast folk. Amidst all the industrialization that happened in podcasting over the past few years, to some, this development feels like a point of no return, perhaps marking the end of an era when Apple served as a safe haven for smaller creators and upstarts looking for a relatively equal playing ground. End quote. I'm going to put a little plug in here, actually. If you enjoy keeping up on podcasts and you enjoy news about podcast business and podcast politics, I'm going to tell you that Nick Kwa's Hot Pod, his email newsletter, is my favorite subscription. You can do a free subscription or you can do a paid subscription where you get all kinds of insider news. But if you like it, I've been keeping up with quite a few of them and he is my absolute favorite. So Nick Kwa, thank you for being you. All right, moving on. Also from Pod News, Vox is launching a new podcast titled Land of Giants. This podcast will dive into the five major tech companies of our time, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. You didn't give me a chance to guess what those were. I'm do you, pretty disappointed. Do, do you want to guess the anacronym? It, you, I guess there's really nothing to guess, but it's fun to say. Go ahead, say okay, it. Okay, go ahead. No, no I don't want to. Fang. each season will explore one corporation and examine the good the bad and the controversial the first season's topic amazon Ooh, there's gonna be a lot to say there a new la-based podcast company jam street media focuses on podcasts for brands and talent coaching and consulting for businesses entering the podcast space its VP, Maddie Stout, will keep his iHeartRadio show called Access Podcast, the podcast about podcasts. Wait, no, that's us. <laughs> We're the podcast about podcasts. This should, they, he should be the podcast about podcasting. <laughs> so if, uh, if you're looking for a show about that's podcasts... <laughs> Uh, apparently his show access podcast introduces you to all the like biggest names 
in podcasts and highly produced podcasts. Yeah, Josh, we're not the only game in town. Can you believe that? Okay. And finally, iHeartMedia is partnering with Pride Media to co-produce LGBTQ podcasts. Their first joint release, The Outcast, is a weekly podcast exploring queer and queer-adjacent topics. So that is it for Podnobby News. Back to our regularly scheduled podcast. So today's episode, Josh, we are beginning with your picks. And I believe, despite all your huffing and puffing and just downright complaining. Well, okay, let me say this. Hold on. I got a qualifier here because the reason I was huffing and puffing is because they're, okay, this genre, if you need a podcast about something specific, it's there. Like if you want to know about if you have, you know, addiction problems or you're dealing with cancer or you're dealing with taking care of elderly people or if you're if you're training, if you're a nurse, yeah. if you are a med student, mm-hmm. there's tons of stuff out there. Mm-hmm. But it's so super specific that it didn't help me in trying to figure out a podcast to recommend to all the masses. Yeah. Agreed. To, to, the, th- to the millions upon millions that are out there just eagerly wanting a science a and medicinal medicine. podcast. <laughs> right. So this was my issue, uh, along with many of the podcasts that I listened to pretty much making me fall asleep. That's not to say they weren't good. They were fine. But I had to go through a lot of podcasts that I had no idea what they were talking about. You're going to place the catheter into (laughs) yes like my head hit my desk a few times what i think is great about the four that we picked especially i'm thinking of two in particular one yours one mine not both mine where people everyday people would get so much out of it you particularly picked one that i think would be wonderful for people that have children of a certain age and I picked one that really explores the very human side of medicine and not in this Grey's Anatomy, who's sleeping with who kind of way or in this very melodramatic way, but actually in a way that presents, you know, the people doing this type of work are are under tremendous amounts of pressure and they're having very similar experiences to the rest of us. So mm-hmm. I think I think there's a lot of value for everyday people in both of those podcasts. And also, if you are in the medical industry, if you're in the field, uh, and you have any inclination of doing podcasts, this is a genre that's wide open. <laughs> like, there's stuff that's charting that they stopped in 2015. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, and it, but it's still like a top 50 podcast mm-hmm. in this genre. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of room here yeah. to just scooch in if you're good. If you got an angle, yep, go for it. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it, Josh. Where are you going with first? What, what should I do first? I got twos. Mm-hmm. I am going to go with the one that you mentioned, okay. which I, I believe the one that you mentioned yeah. uh, is the show about science podcast uh, with our little buddy, Nate. Everyone, welcome to another episode of the show about science. This is your host, Nate. Nate is a currently nine years old, <laughs> and he is a much better podcaster than I am. He's been doing it longer, so I'll give him that. He's been doing it since he was about five years old. Oh my god! And he puts on he puts on this show called the Show About Science, and it is just so endearing and He's infectious because it reminds you of how you were when you were a kid. If you if you liked science and you were if you were a why kid, you know, growing up, why why this why that why why is this why is the sky blue why is the grass green why it brings you back to that uh, that young curious child uh, and so you're just curious about how the world works and how it functions. Where should we start? Yeah, we should probably start by talking about the prefix nano. What does that mean? I think it means, like, small. It is small. Agreed. Okay. So it's a prefix that means one billionth. 
He's a much smarter kid than I was. I was going to say, um, he's a freakishly yeah. intelligent Y kid. He's able to follow these yeah. conversations with adult scientists and adult technologists in ways that he's, I but he's so cute. don't know I, if I could have done that at nine years old. So what you're saying is if mesopredators are omnivores, which they sort of are, and now that the apex numbers are dwindling, so it means kind of that we're mesopredators. Are you wondering if humans could be considered mesopredators? Yes. The first time I put this on, I was awake and I was like, oh, what is this? We have a little kid who's interested in science and he's cute and like he's, again, super endearing. So when you're listening, you're just sort of like, yeah, I want to know about this stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, also, it's not a very long podcast. No. They're pretty short mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, about 15 minutes for each each one. Mm -hmm. uh, but he he gets these great guests, these great uh, scientific minds, you know, people from NASA or sciences and, you know, college universities, all kinds of people. Yep. Uh, not sure quite how he gets them, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I, it's if his you just dad? call and ask a scientist. Maybe we don't know. Do we know anything about him? Do we know if his father works in something where maybe he's... The only no, his dad does help in getting some of the guests, but uh, Nate has the final say. I learned that <laughs> because I watched an an Ellen clip. He was on the Ellen show, oh. so I watched a YouTube clip with him on it. Uh, of course, super super cute segment, but uh, yeah, he said that he has final say uh, on all guests. So I, I I guess you could just call and probably ask most scientists. Yeah, it'll make some time for you. Yeah. He's awesome at interviewing because he kind of like he gets right to it. He's just like, you know, tell us who you are and what you do. And they'll tell him. He'll be like, why is this important? He just follows up with questions that I follow up with in my head where I'm like, oh, what does that mean? I'm not, I'm not really quite sure what this is about. And he has a, a knack of just being like, I, you just said a word that I don't know what it means. What is that? And tell us what it means. So I'm like, yes, I don't have to look it up. So basically, like the host of our time to help us lay people, us ordinary people, yeah. understand what the hell is going on in science and technology is a nine-year-old. I think this is a podcast for kids or, or parents or both. Maybe you're just some weirdo 40-year-old single person from Chicago who would also... <laughs> enjoy this podcast tremendously uh not to name any names but uh, i think i think that demo might work as well so uh, that, that's my first recommendation is the show about science with nate who i don't believe has a last name out there we wouldn't want to out a little child anyways but he's uh, from he's from here he's from like wilmette illinois or something i think this show would be spectacular for parents who have children of a certain age probably between the ages of like eight and i don't know maybe 12 or 11 who are showing mm -hmm. a lot of interest in science because again yes he's a really really smart child but he's at least speaking um, on a level that they they will probably be able to follow. So like if you have a smart kid, if you have a smart kid, but like you and your and your uh, significant other are kind of dumbasses. <laughs> this would be a put great on the show podcast because you'll be yeah. learning. You know, probably slightly behind your child, but you will also be learning. So maybe you'll actually be able to talk to your smart right. child. They'll be like, Daddy, did you know this? And you'll be like, yeah, of course I knew that. I'm not an idiot. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's moving fast out there in this later generation. All right. So your first <laughs> pick, the show about science. The show science. about science. Available uh, pretty much everywhere, I believe. Uh -huh. uh, so look them up and uh, watch that Ellen clip, too. It's on YouTube. It's adorable. Next. All right. Uh, pick number... Two. Two. Um, this was a little hard to find because it's kind of the title is weird. Mm -hmm. um, but it, the, the name of the actual podcast is the Oxford Sparks Big Questions. That is the name of the podcast. Although the title on like their cover art just says Big Questions Podcast. Yeah. But I believe if you're searching for it, Oxford Sparks. Oh, Sparks. Oxford <laughs> Sparks. And Farks. Questions, yeah. <laughs> Oxford. I don't Farks know what a big spark is, is, but the, I uh, the after hours version. <laughs> Go on. Sparks. <laughs> um, so again, when I was listening to a lot of these podcasts, there was a lot of ones that I was interested in, 
Um, but something stopped me from full on recommending it. Either it was much too long, uh, and again, I I'm, I don't like I don't like learning anymore. So, oh my god, um, Jesus! I mean, if you can trick me into learning, that's fine. I love, but I'm learning. not going to search out learning anymore. I, don't, I don't, I need to be entertained. So learn me while you entertain me. <laughs> that's what I was looking for. Uh, in under this genre, so this is another um, wow. science-based uh, podcast, mm-hmm. um, but it is uh, another shorty. Um, you know, ten to fifteen minutes each. Uh, these are not uh, like little kid stuff, though. Uh, Emily Elias is the producer and host of this show, um, and what, she just basically takes one idea. Um, such as, let's see, some of the last episodes. Why are athletes using ketones? Uh, or another episode, why aren't we dead? There is a whole world of things out there that want us dead. I'm talking microscopic invaders that want to get inside our bodies and kill us. But thankfully, we have a secret weapon to keep us alive. Antibodies. Uh, another episode. What is the big deal with that black hole that we've been seeing? Like, so it's a lot of like current topics uh-huh. uh, that is the basis of the 10 to 15 minute program. And she uh, is very warm. She's a very bright sounding uh, person, but very uh, easy to listen to. Uh, and then she talks to Oxford professors and scientists or whatever, whoever is uh, most people. relatable to that subject. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is an Oxford-based um, podcast. Uh, they have a bunch of podcasts. Uh, if you go to their website, uh, the Oxford website, it is ridiculously long, so we'll put it in our show notes. But it's like forward slash a bunch of stuff dash UK dash EDU. It's a bunch of stuff. So um, it'll be in our in our show notes. Um, but if you go to that website, it's got links. I think they got like four or five different website, uh, different podcasts that they produce. Um, so, but this one is the this, this specifically the science one about just asking bigger questions. And I thought this was more relatable to just regular people uh, who kind of just find these topics interesting. You know, I really liked this podcast for a couple reasons. One, they do focus on one small question. I mean, it's a big question, but they they answer it in a very reasonable amount of time. So the fact that they go so deeply into one thing in a in a in a uh, really concise period of time, it actually allows you to absorb what they're saying. You actually like take in some new information, which is fabulous. And the second thing is it's a great way to get some topics on the old chit-chat at a smart party list. If you find yourself yeah. at a party where there's like a lot of you really can fake it bright till people, you make it. yeah, you yeah. can just pluck one of these bad boys out of your memory bank and be like, you know, hey, how about that guy that recorded the sound of nerves? That was an awesome episode. Oh, I listened to that one. That was awesome. This sound is what Shamit spent years of his life trying to find. This is the sound a nerve makes when it is sending a message. And you would think he would have been overjoyed to finally find it, but he says that moment didn't come until his paper was published. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you you work so hard for it. It's just, I, I know when my paper got accepted, then that's like probably one of the few times in life when I actually jumped from my seat. It, it, uh, another time was when my, my, of course, my now wife said yes, but <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, and it might, it might affect like medicine going forward and just the how we look and treat uh, different uh, nerve conditions. Well, yeah, because it's he was cool. talking about, he was focusing on how vibration, how does vibration affect our nervous system? Now, this is old as shit medicine coming into a new world. People have been using vibrational medicine, you know, music as medicine, um, sound healing. That's why they have those vibrating beds in hotels. (laughs) Sound healing. People have been using that type of stuff as a means of healing for ages, but not really understanding, one, you know, exactly how it affects the body. They just know what has an effect on the body. And two, of course, sound healing. If you're like hitting a little gong, you're affecting the body on a on a much gentler, smaller 
level. And so he's talking about using like shockwave therapy. And I actually know a woman who had crippling arthritis in her hands who had shockwave therapy done and it was pretty remarkable for her nothing else worked drugs like nothing else worked she had shockwave therapy no negative side effect she's doing extremely well so you know they used to use that to break up I mean they still can use it to break up kidney stones but they're using it now in different areas of the body so it's just really it's really fascinating yeah and do you see do you see did you hear how smart we sounded just now (laughs) yeah well (laughs) Imagine us at a cocktail party. Oh, God. See, that's the thing. There's a lull in the conversation, and you're like, you know what? (laughs) Did you know? Well, yeah. See, here's the thing. You don't want to learn anymore, and I don't really want to go to cocktail parties anymore. I just want to go straight to sitting at a bar by myself. That's where I want to have my cocktails. More cocktails, less party. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm all about the cocktails. I don't need the mingling. Uh, Okay, so go ahead and uh, list off your two picks again, please. Okay, yeah. Uh, my two picks for science and medicine. For me, they're science, but uh, uh, they are Oxford Sparks Big Questions podcast. And also our cute buddy Nate and uh, his podcast, The Show About Science. Those are my picks. Great. Look them up. Hit them up. Great choices. All right. We are going to take a little break and then we're going to come back with my picks. We are back for more science and medicine podcasts. Yes, back with a vengeance. (laughs) So I also have two picks. And much like Josh, I did some real digging. I actually got a little stressed out, and I'm usually not the one of the two of us who gets stressed out. What the hell is that supposed to mean? About finding podcasts. I get stressed out about everything, but not usually looking for podcasts. But I have to say, I, I struggled because I found a few podcasts that I really that I actually really enjoyed and I was listening to, but I also recognized that one, they were a tiny bit boring. I just found the information interesting. And two, a lot of them, the sound quality was pretty bad. Um, So I, I was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend this because a lot of people are going to be like, that was so boring, Carrie. I couldn't get into it. What is wrong with you? So I really dug and dug and dug for something that I was like, this offers something that I think a lot of people would really, really love and get a lot from. So I am going to begin with my first pick. My first pick is called The Nocturnists. Say it again. <laughs> yeah, I don't. The Nocturnists. How do you say it? Uh, nocturnists. Nocturnists. Noc- not, nocturnists. Not Nocturnists. I don't know why you're saying tour. Tour. Like if you were from Jersey, you would say nocturnists. I'm Emily Silverman, and this is The Nocturnist. Stories from the world of medicine. So this podcast actually grew out of a live show that still exists today that is hosted in San Francisco by the same name. The live show is basically like the show The Moth, but for medical providers. So the Nocturnus as a live show began in 2016, and it was launched by a medical doctor by the name of Emily Silverman. On the Doctors Who Create website, she wrote about starting the Nocturnus as a means of healing her own burnout. Now the podcast launched last year, 2018, because the live show has been a huge success. And I don't think her podcast is falling too far behind it. I think a lot of people are already discovering this podcast because it's pretty amazing. So each episode begins with a medical provider, you know, whoever whoever's story gets chosen and put on the live show. It begins with that person's live performance. And then in the second half, Dr. Silverman interviews that person and they have a personal one-on-one where they talk about some of the stories or the story that was told in the live show and then of course they they move on from there and 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 spitball off of off of that center story these stories are really about 
the very human task of being a medical provider pretty much in America. Several examples that I listened to, there was one episode where a pathologist talked about one, not knowing that she was really going to be an excellent pathologist. She had a completely different career plan and one of her mentors helped her realize that she was very gifted in this particular area of medicine. So she talked yeah, about- I listened to that one. Oh, I loved that one. Thinking that I didn't really want to be there, I guess. And so not only did I not want to be doing a specialty that I didn't want to do, like I did not want to live at all. When your job for six months is doing for 14 hours a day, the actual literal act of dissecting life, it's really hard, especially when you're always assigned to the GYN service. And like every time it's like products of conception, uterus, hysterectomy, and everybody has the same set of benign tumors or fibroids. And then every time like getting exposed to formaldehyde at one point, like splashing an ovarian tumor on my head, thinking every single moment of the day, like I wish I were dead. And then like going home, during the first month of this period, I, I, I kept seeing this guy, nicest guy in the world. I mean, he's one of those people who you don't begrudge that he's perfect. And then he was just seemed very happy about things. And then lo and behold, August 2014, when we both started internship year together, he has this plum internship uptown. And then he jumps off the roof of the building across the street from Bellevue Hospital. Um, one of the best things about that episode is she then talks about going through a period of being suicidal and then struggling with whether or not being open about her struggle with mental illness may have actually saved that person's life. Right. And then she made a point from that point forward if you just be like, I'm OK, I'm off to my to see my therapist now, like, right, like vocally letting people know and like that it's OK to get rid of that stigma that if you're a doctor or something, you shouldn't have to need help or something. I really don't know what the stigma was about to begin with. I guess it's just a stigma with therapy in general. Correct. But, um, she made it a point after that to to talk about it. it was, that was pretty cool. And the stigma of mental illness. I mean, like, you know, a lot of people struggle with depression. A lot of people struggle with anxiety. You know, a, a lot of people are capable of living somewhat normal lives with bipolar disorder with medication. I mean, the, the stigma of mental illness, we're living in an age where, interestingly enough, a, a lot of troubling things that are happening in this time and, and in this era, there is, there is a lot of education about mental illness coming out. And that is an exciting thing to be witnessing and experiencing. There was another amazing episode uh, about a woman who got to see there was an elderly woman dying in the hospital and her final wish was to see this violinist uh, play. And the woman was an, was an immigrant. You know, she, she lived in the U.S. Her children, I believe, were not first generation. I believe they were also born in another country and then lived here. And then her grandchildren were first generation. But this violinist was from her country. And I don't know how they got him to come to the hospital and play what? for her. And I, I don't know if the family knew him. or it's like a make-a-wish? I don't know. But the violinist was playing in her room. And then, of course, the woman who's telling the story, she talks about one, like having the music in the hospital. When I was just a kid, my brother and I used to climb under the piano of my grandfather. My grandfather and my father were playing four-hands uh, piano, versions of symphonies, and we felt like we were inside that piano, like the music was part of us. So as Isaac started to play this Tchaikovsky uh, violin concerto that I know so well, but never have I heard played like this. Tears are just streaming down my face. And I feel my grandfather actually with me. Beautiful. He says, beautiful. I'm just crying. After about 30 minutes, Isaac Stern comes out of the room with wonder in his eyes. And he says, she opened her eyes. She looked at me. I looked at him. He looked at me. We held hands. I looked in his eyes. And he knew that I knew 
what had happened. I stepped inside to see my patient, Miss Bina, and there she was, peaceful looking. A couple hours later, she died. This isn't true. It's true. <laughs> it's actually led this particular woman to make a list of the music she wants playing when she's on her deathbed. And she yeah. she poses this question to kind of a lot of people where she's like, have these things, like consider these things, think about these things. And she went on to discuss something that I was talking about in our music episode about the research that's showing what an incredible influence music is on our mental health. I want just some, for the record, I want my song to be uh, I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. Oh, my God. Now I have to outlive you because I totally yeah. want to be there when I'm dabbing my tears, saying goodbye to one of my favorite people in the whole world and going... <laughs> This one's for you, Josh. I'm I am too, too sexy, sexy for, for my, my shirt. shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. <laughs> my last words are on the catwalk. <laughs> you can't tell anyone else that you want that, though, because I want to be able to look at their faces. See, when you die, I'm going to be devastated. So I'm going to need some laughter. So I think it'd be awesome if I could just look at the fam like the faces of all your family and loved ones and just try to take in the way they look when I hit that play button. <laughs> I too don't I don't have a song picked out, but I do have an idea of what I want done at my funeral. I want my funeral to be hilarious and slightly traumatizing. So I have okay. this idea that I want I want to demand a Viking burial, so I want to be placed in the boat and pushed out to sea, and then oh, I okay. want people, You need an archer. I want people to try to hit the boat with flaming arrows. Sure. And I'm really hoping that everybody participates because everyone, people are going to fail. You guys are going to fail so hard. There's going to yeah, be... because well, you're going farther and farther away. Farther and farther. The arrows are just going to be going out in the water, side to side. You guys are all going to start panicking. I will be laughing from the heavens. And then finally, like, I'm pretty much just going to be eaten by birds. Well, we can have a backup plan. What's like, the backup plan? Like, like a bomb or something like a trigger so if it gets too far out and nobody can possibly reach it yeah. with the arrow that we just hit the button and you just blow it up the smithereens that's a good idea or maybe like uh you, you could shoot it with a bazooka <laughs> yeah bazookas are hard to come by i mean that's probably true but who knows in this day and age who knows so anyway okay. i'm also going to hire mariachis just so you know oh my god i would love to have mariachis and please have them come in at a totally weird time like it should make no sense no sense whatsoever <laughs> done and done let me write that down so my first pick is the nocturnist and let me tell you not only is it a deeply moving podcast where you do actually get to learn about medicine. You get to learn about the process of training to be a medical provider, internships, you know, choosing your path, not knowing your path, the pressure and the pain of being a medical provider. Also, you just hear some incredible stories that may result in you thinking very deeply about some things you haven't thought about yet. Uh, it was a very, it's very, you said the right word, it's very humanizing. Uh, and you get to kind of hear about all the different problems that you probably don't think about. Yeah. Uh, within in the medical field and I, I really enjoyed this podcast Yay. tremendously I really did I'm glad all right my second pick my second pick is called the biology of superheroes here our host is evolutionary biologist and comic book nerd Shane Campbell Staten his co-host is Arian Darby I believe Arian Darby, if I remember correctly, is some kind of bigwig at, like, Warner Brothers. The one episode I listened to, he wasn't on there, so. He wasn't there? Oh, what a bummer. No, he, like, I, he was like, oh, my normal guy is not here, so I was like, you, oh, oh, well. You always listen to those. Like, I don't know how you randomly pick the ones where, like, the co-host is not there. It was the one about Game of Thrones. Oh, yes, I didn't listen to that the one. Biology of Dragons. Yeah, I didn't listen to that one because I don't really follow Game of Thrones, although it's really not necessary. You don't have to follow... The, the movie or the comic book that they're talking about to enjoy the show whatsoever. So the biology of superheroes is kind of in the same vein as one of our earlier picks, science-ish, 
which by the way i yes. think is our most popular pick so far i've gotten i've gotten several thank yous for science ish people love that show so the biology of superheroes has a little bit of a scientist vibe they take a comic book character there's one uh there's one episode about jurassic park would that even be feasible to like create a real jurassic park there's one about the evolutionary bi biology of um uh star trek of course i listen to that one because i'm a big trekkie um, so they have all these different, it's not just comic books, they have other sci-fi movies and shows in there. And then they interview scientists to talk about how realistic it would be to have to have this, to create this thing, to create a, a, a superhero suit that spits spider webs. You know, why Peter Parker used spider webs? What is the actual, you know, break, makeup of spider webs? What kind of spider do we think he modeled himself after? Like this kind of like totally nerdy talk. What's different about the biology of superheroes and science-ish is really the personalities that you're dealing with. So we did talk about in science-ish, they're, they're, both of those dudes are awesome we really like them but you know they're kind of they got like you called them like dad jokes right like they've got like dad joke kind of humor um and the biology of superheroes shane and arian are both like mid-30s ridiculously both highly accomplished non-white american guys so you're just getting nice. a little bit more diversity in in a, in a similar vein as science-ish and they're they're both wicked smart i can't believe i just said wicked smart nice. but there is no other way to describe them. Arian, They're nerds. I, but Arian, I thought he was, I thought he was going to be like a fellow scientist. I didn't realize until the second episode that I listened to that he's, he works in, I think, marketing, but he is sharp as a tack. And a lot of his commentary, you know, a lot of the times, like when you have a show where one guy is like this super accomplished scientist, and then the other guy is sort of like the comic relief or the layperson commentary, Arian is neither of the above. He's just as valuable and just as insightful as Shane. Yeah, and so I'd say one of the interesting things that dawned on me while I was reading Muhammad's book was just this concept of while we're out there searching for extraterrestrial life, we are doing that under the confines and limitations of our own understanding of what life means in our experience here on Earth. And so you know, he's basically talking about looking for planets that are in the Goldilocks zone, right? Mm -hmm. Where they are kind of relatively equidistant to their sun as we are and essentially have the conditions to pretty much approximate what Earth may have looked like at any point in its evolution as a planet Yeah. to essentially signal that like, hey, we might find something that's similar to what we understand life as being here uh, in this region out in space on this other solar system or, or what have you. And so I um, a little bit more about Shane, because I think he's really interesting. I read an interview with him on Nexus and he's fascinating himself and his work is fascinating. But uh, he got into comic books while he was uh, working on his Ph.D. at Harvard because he felt like he was going to explode from the pressure and the stress and he just needed something light and easy. So he wandered into a comic book store and completely got hooked. His primary area of focus in his profession is the study of animals and the impact of climate change on various species. So he's a really interesting guy. He brings so he brings this this this. Uh, um, specialty into some of his questioning of the scientists fascinating fascinating i only got to listen to the one uh, and they were talking about the dragons um and they were talking about uh like the the anatomy and how how this actually like could an animal like this exist yeah so if we're thinking about thermal physiology we can categorize animals across like two major axes right so you have endotherms and then you have ectotherms you know, endotherms can produce their own heat. Ectotherms cannot produce their own heat. But then you also have poikilotherms versus homeotherms. And poikilotherms, they have fluctuating body temperatures with respect to their, their internal body temperature fluctuates with the external temperature in the environment. Okay. But homeotherms actually maintain a stable internal body kind temperature. Kind of how... Uh all like a lot of different cultures have huh. dragons in their in their history yeah. and in their stories um and that 
kind of goes back to the dinosaurs and like how dinosaurs turned into birds and yep. but just sort of like the from the show and like how these, these giant dragons you know these beefy dragons could they actually fly uh what would be a mechanism uh in animals uh of like breathing fire there's like as far as we know there's no animal on earth that can breathe, breathe fire, fire but there are like bugs and things like that that can like uh, shoot chemicals out from like different things in their mouth and right. to make a chemical reaction that like kills things um so they're like well it could i mean technically you know like, something could form where the reaction to the oxygen in the air would actually produce uh you know some a sort spark. of harmful yeah. chemical or, yeah. or a flame of some sort so oh, it's like, so cool yeah, it's, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. Well, so the episode about a uh, Jurassic Park, you know, obviously dinosaurs were real, and so the question, the initial question, was, would it be possible to bring dinosaurs back using their DNA? And the scientist that they interviewed was like, um, no, because fossils don't have DNA. But they didn't get them from fossils. No, they got them from the blood of a mosquito that was trapped in amber. Oh, that's right. That's right. So he also talked about the likelihood of that DNA being viable, also extremely low. Um, and then, But she did go on to talk about, while there will probably never be a Jurassic Park, they talked about CRISPR. This is something that has come up in a couple of our episodes now. CRISPR, genetic editing, and the possibility of helping with species extinction this is not anytime soon well who friggin knows the possibility of working with species extinction when it is detrimental to the climate like could we keep make bees could we yeah could we make a species uh more tolerant of changes so that we can keep it as a part of the mm. environmental Sounds cycle. Sounds like a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, we're going to get to see so many horrors in the future, Josh. There's nothing but excitement I know, it's going to be awesome. Nothing but excitement. I thought I read somewhere about, like, we could bring back the woolly mammoth at this point. If yeah. To. I thought I remembered reading that. Not that I read, but you know what I mean. She did talk about the closest relative to the woolly mammoth is the Asian elephant. And she said, hypothetically, we might be able to bring back something like it. Do you think we can make dog-sized, full-grown elephants? Because I've always I always wanted one of those. Like forever baby you know, elephants. just like a little, you can pet them and yeah. like hang out with them. You can have it as a pet. Little kids can ride them. Maybe someday. Yeah, I really don't think we need them, but yeah, I think we have to stop kind of like slaughtering the ones we have, and then maybe we can look into that. Yeah, well, I mean, if we could just make them, it doesn't really matter. Okay, you are not in charge of whether or not we make things. So my two picks summary here, the Nocturnists, or if you're feeling spicy, the Nocturnists, and the biology of superheroes. Nocturnists. All right, Josh. Are you ready for the lightning round? Oh, I was born ready. Question one. What are you watching? I watch a lot of stuff, uh-huh. as per usual. The one that I want to talk about, though, is it's actually a, uh, a, a sports show. I'm a sports fan. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the people that I hang out with, you know, they're not sports people. Mm-mm. But uh, I was raised, uh, you know, my relationship with my father is based on sports, so... I, in order to keep that relationship strong, I had to continue to follow sports. Um, but I am not a huge sports fan in that I know people that are into sports that are way into sports. Die hard. I am not one of those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a homer. I'm a, you know, Cubs fan, Bears fan, Bulls fan, Hawks fan. That's it. I don't even do colleges because I can't relate to college football because I went to a college that had no football team. No football team. So, so I like football. Um, probably my second favorite sport behind baseball uh and there's a show on netflix called last chance you oh i saw i saw like previews for it and i've been wondering if i should try it okay i i would say yes even if you're not a sports fan i i find this uh show i've, I've been watching it for since it came out i think there's four seasons or like four half seasons that are really two full seasons i don't really know how they work that but it's, it's four times this has come out with hmm. new episodes hmm. Uh, two with one team and two with another. And hmm. what it does is they follow uh, Juco uh, 
football teams. JUCO is like junior college. Oh. Um, the reason they call it Last Chance U is because the particular schools that they follow are known for uh, taking in recruits from all over the country of like athletes that have basically messed up at some point. They either couldn't cut it with grades or they were, you know, they, they committed crimes or they did drugs too many times or whatever the case may be. They got kicked out of their division one or division two schools or their high schools and they couldn't get to those schools. Hmm. And so they've sort of tried to, this is their last chance to make it because people will get scholarships from these schools and they'll give them to these student athletes from these JUCO schools to go to division one colleges and play football there and hopefully get a chance to go on to like the NFL or something like that. So um, it's there's like a lot of natural drama that's involved with these because they go into a lot of uh, the background stories of these kids who are at the top tier, like athletic level around the country. Mm. And they all get recruited by this, uh, by these schools to go there. Right. Uh, but it's difficult because of the, the kind of athletes that they get because they have these issues. They have these coaches that are, uh, honestly, they're a little nuts. Um, they're a little crazy. They're off the wall. They swear a lot. They yell. They, you know, like it's like old school, like 1950s coach with that wears like a fedora kind of thing. But <laughs> it's, uh, but it's now, but you don't know whether or not that's needed to like get through to some of these kids, but ultimately they do help them. A lot of them do land up getting their scholarships, and but a lot of them don't. So there's this natural drama that occurs, but then, and then at the same time, they're following a, a year of football. So you get the football games, which also have the sports drama yeah. of, you know, winning and losing those football games and going to the championship or having losing seasons and what all that means. So uh, there's truly a lot of, a lot of different aspects uh, that is pretty great about this show. So I would go ahead and recommend that one. Last Chance You on Netflix. Hmm. Uh, sports fan, not a sports fan, I think you might enjoy it. Sure, because it's more about like the the personal experience. So I am watching, uh, I watched the documentary also available on Netflix called The Great Hack. Have you heard of it? Oh, about the Cambridge Analytica Correct. scandal. About yeah. the rise and fall of Cambridge Analytica. I will say that it's great. Um, it was it was a lot of things. Um, it's incredibly infuriating. Uh, you might want a rage pillow. I don't know. You know, I think a lot of us understand what's involved with the use of social media. But, you know, I mean, in terms of our data being incredibly valuable, this is also... Well, maybe for some people it is news, but if you if you skim if you skim enough TED Talks, if you go on if you go on TED Talks website, you skim enough of them, you will find out that uh, our data is now like our most valuable commodity as American citizens. No, no, in the world as human beings, like where there is internet and and you know mass data output, our data is our most valuable um, possession, and so it is often collected illegally. And it is used to do all kinds of weird, fucked up things. And it's a great documentary if you can spare a couple of hours being incredibly disheartened and frustrated. Do you actually have a rage pillow? <laughs> no, but that is an amazing idea. Oh, my God. I've got to spend quality time thinking. Oh, never mind. I don't have to think about it. I know the types of people I put on my rage pillow. When I was a kid, they used to have these... Um... I don't know what they were called. They're called something specific. Uh, my friend Sam, who uh, has a, is the like collectible toys, mm. he would know what these are called. But they were like pillows in the shape of it was a wrestlers. That's what it was like the old WWF WWE wrestlers, uh -huh. and they were just like pillows though. But they looked like the little guy. I had a buddy um, who had one of those, um, and he like xeroxed a. a piece of like a, the face of a basketball player named bill lambeer who used to play for the detroit pistons and was probably the most hated basketball player of maybe all time just because <laughs> he, he one he was an asshole but he had maybe the most punchable face possible uh -huh. he was just a jerk 
And then even at one point, like he broke his something in his face. So he had to wear one of those Phantom of the Opera mask type mm. things, like the clear <laughs> Phantom of the Opera mask. Yeah. And so he was even that much more punchable. But <laughs> so the, the Bulls, the Chicago Bulls were, you know, big deal back in the day. Uh, and D- the Detroit Pistons were probably their number one rival. And so Bill Lambier was so hateable. So he put a, a, a he just taped a, a, a face of Bill Lambier onto one of those wrestling pillows and he would just he would just punch it over and over and over again that's a rage pillow yeah no that sounds amazing i would not have a wrestler on my rage pillow i'm sure you can imagine the types yeah. of i would have maybe some have, lo- some some politicians i would have or... some politicians on my rage pillow yes mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know why wait why am i not making these and selling these it'd probably sell like hotcakes oh my god they're probably Maybe they will there. be available on our website, podnotming.com. <laughs> okay, what are you reading? Oh, I will be happy to let you know what I'm reading, Carrie. Okay. Um, I, you'll be actually very proud of me, oh. as I've been reading a little bit every day. Oh, what? Uh, it's this uh, Jeopardy uh, daily calendar that I have at my desk okay. now. Okay. Um, so today's question is, during his 1864 re-election bid, Lincoln said, quote, it was not best to swap, quote, these, quote, while crossing the stream, unquote. Do you know the answer? Wait, there were so many quotes. Did you say quote like four times? Well, yeah, because it stopped. For some reason, there's an unquoted <laughs> word in the middle of the two quotes. So, okay, let me read it again. <laughs> During his 1864 re-election bid, Lincoln said it was not best to swap these while crossing the stream. So these isn't actually part of the quote, but that's the answer to the, that they're looking for. Oh, 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 I understand. It was not understand. best to swap blank right. while crossing the stream. Swap? Please uh, phrase your answer in the form of a question. Swap. Okay, at the time, crossing the street, you could probably be hit by like a fucking horse. Ding, ding, ding. That's the answer. What are horses? Which I, I'm guessing led to the whole don't change horses in midstream p- p- political quote that people use Ah. so that's what i'm reading because that's for monday july 29th and i will throw this in the garbage now and look forward to tomorrow's question (laughs) jeopardy question you threw it in the garbage don't look you'll ruin tomorrow's surprise don't look at that calendar josh keep it covered i'm putting i'm turning it around (laughs) all right that'll be what i read tomorrow that'd be great what are you reading carrie so i am still of course reading reading nk jemison's um the obelisk. I, I know it's really long and I only read for like 15 minutes before bed right now. So it's not great. I'm trying to do a lot of studying right now. So it's uh, my fun reading is a little limited. However, I read an article. I follow Ezra Klein and he interviewed the author of Utopia for Realists and how we get there. He uh, the, the author's name is Rutger Bregman and he is a Dutch historian. It was a really interesting article. He probably advocates for a lot of things. Well, the first thing he advocates for is imagining the world you want to live in and not constantly, constantly fearing and thinking about the one that you don't want to live in. That was just sort of a refreshing reminder, you know, not to constantly wallow in doom and gloom. But also he advocates for a lot of, you know, political change that I'm sure plenty of people would not agree with. One of the things that he talked about in that particular interview that really struck me is he talked about how overall, as a society, we highly undervalue people who actually are passionate about their work. So everything from artists to teachers to nurses, um, people who are really putting in the time they got into the profession because they felt passion and they felt love. And they are often struggling to make ends meet or struggling to make a living. They're undervalued and they're overworked. And he said, but when I interview people who are overvalued, he said, you talk to these people and they're paid very sufficient amount of money. They're paid a lot of money, but they always talk about how they hate their work. It's like if you get them in parties or if you get them in private places, they're exhausted, they're frustrated, they're angry, they hate their jobs. And then he's like, but then you have all the people in the middle, the people that are doing like the mindless labor, the people that are doing like 
just the, the, the jobs where they feel like they don't have to think and they don't ha and all of these people are not just underpaid, but they also hate their jobs and they don't feel passionate about their lives. So basically, his book is about what if we could create an equal playing field for everybody where everybody has the opportunity to not only pursue something that they love, but they could make a livable wage at it. I know. Sounds All right, like hippie. Utopia. Let's go. <laughs> Here's here, just a just a little uh, little comment. Yes, it's not happening. Utopia is not happening. Just for a note, I enjoyed reading it. Um, I enjoyed reading like him talking about what it would take. Even though, yes, you could always argue it's not going to happen. Yeah, imagine imagine all the people holding hands, living. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> it would take a, a persistent dosing of like ecstasy globally for a large amount of time. That's what I'm saying. I'm waiting for the problem. And go on. This is a great yeah, idea. Just like okay. A... You, you you just made a really amazing first suggestion. Go mm -hmm. on. Think of how much happier everyone would be if they did a little bit of yeah, regular let's just ecstasy. Drug everybody. And if they like, you know, had a little cannabis like every day. The world would probably be a better place if we were all just a little mellowed out. So I think you're onto something. Just a Little PSA, uh, podnomming does not condone uh, drug illegal drug use. Okay, Josh, uh, what are you listening to? Yes, listening to. Uh, I didn't listen really to anything until yesterday. Okay, so I got a, a childhood dream fulfilled. My daughter took me to the Weird Al concert. Oh, God, yeah, that's so right. So Weird Al was maybe one of the most influential uh, artists for me as a child. I wrote my, my first things that I ever wrote were horribly written, bad songs like Weird Al, like uh, what do you call them? Parody songs. So I'm not sure if I would have continued to write had I not began writing parody songs uh, because of Weird Al. And I got to see Weird Al last night, but that's not what I'm recommending. It's not what I, obviously I listened to the concert and it was great. And he was great. And he's still great. I don't understand how he's still so great, but he's great. But on the way home, my daughter introduced me to a, I guess, an artist named Oliver Tree. Uh, I started listening to Oliver Tree today, and uh, he's got a like he's like a YouTube star, I believe. He's got maybe only maybe like six or seven songs, uh, and only like maybe like three or four videos. The other ones are just audio. This is the one of the weirdest dudes I've ever seen. Uh, he's just He's maybe a genius, but I'll let you decide. I would like you as an audience to go check out Oliver Tree on YouTube. Check out some of his videos and report back because I'm not sure he's either I, he's either like a like a dumbass rich kid or he's an a genius artist who's just starting. Not sure. I went down a rabbit hole, and, and i got to say, overall, I really liked it. So I'm hoping that he's a genius. So what I am listening to is yet another find from Not 97. I guess anyone who's listened to probably at least two episodes of our show knows that I am a huge fan of that podcast, although it's not a podcast. I am going to butcher I'm, – I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to destroy this name. This is not going to go well. Um, here we go. Here we go. In three, two, one. A bong jayar. Sounds right to me. So I'm going to spell it O-B-O-N-G-J-A-Y-A-R. What? He is Nigerian born and he is London based. And the song that they played on Not 97 is called Adjacent Heart. Um, you can Google actually adjacent heart song and his his stuff will come up. So if that's easier for you, you can go ahead and do that. But his music, his voice, his style, it it will it will transport you. Yeah, he he looks arty. Now, although he has the word bong in his name, Podnam does not <laughs> condone drug use. Officially. We also don't, you know, criminalize it in any way. Okay, guys. Uh, we are all over the internet. We are on Twitter, at Podnobbing. We are on Instagram, at Podnobbing. We have a Facebook group called at Podnobbing. And you can email us directly at podnobbing.gmail.com. 
all those ways you can get in touch with us. We answer everything. If you have suggestions for us, you think we should listen to a podcast, let us know. We'll listen to it. Uh, if you just want to tell Carrie why she's wrong or how she mispronounced names throughout this podcast, let us know. We are happy to take that information. And, uh, you know, you might be featured in uh, yeah. our next Sorry About That portion of our show, which we actually didn't have anything to apologize for. So that's good. If you have gotten a great podcast recommendation from Podnobbing, tell your friends. You don't have to tell them all. You can just tell one. Yeah. It's totally fine. Tell one friend, they'll tell a friend, then they'll tell a friend. It's like telephone. And then they'll tell a friend, and then they'll tell a friend. So yeah. please tell a friend. And if you're the kind of person that reviews podcasts, why don't you go ahead and hit up uh, Apple? Although, I don't know. Can you review on Spotify? I hear Spotify is more popular. But look, whatever your choice is. Yeah, we got a nice uh, Apple review the other day. Um Okay, the, the, here's the review itself. It's literally the best podcast I've ever heard about other podcasts. That was from somebody named Easy Beal. Easy Beal? So thank, so, so thank you, Easy thank Beal. You, Easy we appreciate Beal. your uh, your comments. And uh, yes, we would love Apple reviews so that we can game the system and <laughs> you know get more people listening. So does that mean that we're better? than like the three other shows about podcasts <laughs> yes i knew i could For, beat according to easy bill we're the best <laughs> okay so our next genre folks is interview podcasts oh all right until then adieu wow that was a big dramatic pause <laughs>